Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hangtime Podcast. Joining us now, comedian Chelsea Peretti, NBA All-Star Roy Hibbert. Roy is our nation's most treasured actor. He's got chops, he's got talent, and he also has three tickets to Lakers. <laughs> With your host, Gallia Anderson, stops it down behind his head. Seku Smith, Lang Whitaker, and Rick Fox. The NBA's Executive Vice President of Basketball Operations, Stu Jackson, is joining us now on the podcast. I wanted to ask you, Stu, when players see you coming, do they get out of the way now? No. The worst thing that happened to me was uh, caller ID. And it's, it's our main man, Roderick Turner from the Los Angeles Times. Hey, Q, can I say this first? <laughs> you know you when can. When I was covering the Lakers, when Rick Fox played, I had hair. They wore me out. <laughs> now it's time for the tip-off. Welcome in. Welcome in to the show, the Hangtime Podcast. Thank you, Smith, from the Hangtime blog at NBA.com. Lang Whitaker is missing in action this week, but for good reason. And Rick Fox in Los Angeles. Rick, how you doing, brother? It, man, it better be a good reason because he didn't <laughs> go four and zero. The only reason you could just anytime you only reason anytime you can drop out from the show is you go undefeated like I did last week. I, undefeated, <laughs> I took the week off. You took the week off you know? and went to the Macy's Day Parade. How was it? That's right. Family, family first, man. Family no, first. No, uh, that was. Uh, uh, that was a little uh, snafu technical. Uh, uh, sell, uh, try to do the podcast from the train. Spotty. <laughs> I'm learning. You got to kind of still, even though, even though in today's technology, you can you can uh, call in from anywhere, Wi-Fi from anywhere. Not everybody's service is uh, on par. Don't mention any names specifically. We might need them. I, I won't. <laughs> I won't exactly. All the sponsors, and we we still love you. Exactly, Lang is. But no, I heard he has a good reason. Yeah, man, Lang, reason, huh? Lang is out today. He's got an excused absence, courtesy of Isabel Whitaker, his his wonderful, beautiful wife, who is welcoming in the newest edition of the Whitaker clan. Man, we have our first wow. baby on the Hang Time podcast. We got a we got a baby. Well, we got to get to work, man. We're like, <laughs> well, I tell you what, we should we should we'll, we should help name the baby, though. I tried that. We know if it's a boy or okay. If it's a boy, we should its name should be Hang Time. Yeah, that's and perfect. The girl, for the girl, what's trending on Yahoo right now is this, <laughs> this lady named her her baby girl hashtag. Oh. So, so if it's a boy, Hang Time. If it's a girl, she can be the second hashtag, hashtag. in the world. Well, that works good. That means Isabel will never speak to us ever again for even suggesting it so <laughs> right yeah, <exactly. laughs> all the best to isabel and and and, and lang though man no question it's exciting, it's exciting. no question the, the 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 newest addition to the to the hang time family baby whitaker cannot wait it's the hang time headlines as seku and the guys discuss the top stories around the nba sekuna matata we're down to 12 seconds. Holding the ball, alternating hands with the dribble. We're down to 8 seconds. He's going to take it to World Peace with the shot clock at 5. He'll move it forward off a high west screen. On the drive in the lane. Scooped it! Yes! Oh, 
catch again. George Hill with back-to-back floaters. Huge basket for the Indiana Pacers. Headlines, Rick. Big headlines as always around the league. The Nets, the Brooklyn Nets, that's right. People walking up and down the street saying Brooklyn are off to a fantastic start. (laughs) Exactly, according to Kenny Smith (laughs) on on TNT. He that all the time. Nine and four atop the Atlantic Division with the the New York Knicks, whom, you know, they battled the other night in the the Battle of the Boroughs. What do you you make of these Brooklyn Nets right now? Well, probably the most, uh, I guess, uh, balanced New York team Mm -hmm. in regards to, you know, their depth. Uh, you can debate the depth of, the, uh, of both teams as maybe the Knicks with J.R. Smith right. having a more explosive uh, offensive uh, player off the bench. Uh, but when I look at the, the Brooklyn Nets with the balance, I mean, you got you got old man Jerry Stackhouse who <laughs> refuses to retire. Exactly. Uh, had, a, had a really big game, and I'm sure he'll be able to do that in, in spot occurrences for them. But Reggie Evans, uh, with his energy, uh, the likes of not even some of the guys that haven't even played that Marshawn Brooks. He hasn't even gotten a whole lot of time yet. Right. This seems to me to have a little more depth. The starting five uh, is, is is strong. We know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was that was a close fought battle. Uh, and I don't think it's you know I think they're splitting from you know back and forth on home courts is what I think we'll see. The Knicks, uh, right now, the question about them always arises on back-to-backs. With the age, you see Jason Kidd was seriously missed yeah. uh, with back spasms. Uh, and and their, you know, their front court, in terms of age, on back-to-back games, are going to be challenged. They're not the youngest team. So as strong as the Knicks look out to shoot, I think you're going to have those moments throughout the course of the season that the Brooklyn Nets won't have more frequently. Yeah. They won't have trouble in back-to-back settings. Uh, with fatigue and age, that's the difference uh, in these two teams right now. Both good, both very good. Both will be in that two-three slot. Maybe one will even sneak up and and take that one spot away from Miami. But at the end of the day, uh, I, I hope we see a matchup uh, of the two in the playoffs at some point and have them settle it in a series because I think it'll be a seven-game series. Yes, that's that would be that would be right on time. Funny the Tar Heel connection in that Brooklyn. New York series, man. Watching Rasheed Wallace and Jerry Stackhouse play against each other after all these years when, you know, they played together at Carolina is just comical. I mean, Stack doesn't seem as old as Rasheed. These guys are 38 years old. I mean, it's been around a while, man. Man, it's, I mean, that's forever. It's, it's a, you know, it's really a credit to their, their work ethic as yeah. well as. Uh, you know, their skill level and talent level over the years to be able to still affect the game the way they both have been affecting the game for their teams. Uh, and, and and I'm sure as they, you know, guide their, their season, the coaches guide their season in terms of minutes, you know, that's those are the type of players you want when it comes to playoff time because they have the experience. They they, they play under pressure. They're not gonna. They're not gonna crack, and they'll make big shots for you. Yeah. And that's uh, the only thing left for the Knicks or the Nets to do is to make a mad rush to see if either one of them can pick up Vince Carter from Dallas. <laughs> exactly. I'm hey. sure. He, I'm sure he could be had. Yes. Yes. Listen. Put your crash test helmet on right now. And I'm not trying to be funny. The the Bobcats yeah. might be over 500 at the start of December. Do you? I mean, are you ready for this? Do you realize you know what? what's going on in Charlotte? Yeah. Well, Mike, at the beginning, I think it was the first 
night I worked NBA TV this year, mm-hmm. uh, there was an interview, and Mike had uh, talked about wanting to the uh, podcast to return to the, the form they had been at years earlier and back up there in the mix. And at, at that point, they were just trying to stop the streak of twenty, I think, twenty-three straight games of losing. Right. And they got that win that opening night, and you know we we had a we had a good laugh at the Bobcats' <laughs> expense about how it was a new era and how they're turning things around, but. You know, quiet is kept. You go, you move forward 13 games. And I know it's only 13 games into the season, but, you know, it's my belief that after 20, 25 games, you, your identity is pretty much set uh, uh, as a team about who you are and where you're going in the course of the season, barring, you know, injuries and trades uh, and shakeups. But, you know, right now, this is a Bobcat team at 7-6 and six that is, the culture has been established by the new coach and it is changed they're going to play hard they're going to play through mistakes they're going to you know find a way to be in the mix uh you know outside of that oklahoma city drubbing that went down the other night yeah. uh, but you kind of expected that that's a team that's a championship caliber level and they're on a different plane right now the the bobcats are looking to get to you know get in the mix at that eight seven spot which they're right now holding the eight spot can they sustain that well, that, you know, only time will tell here as they continue to improve. I like what the coach is doing. I like uh, I like the culture he's brought. And maybe Mike was right. Maybe they are. And this is a new era, and they're going to return back to the form of of uh, playoff basketball that they had, for, you know, three four years going back. Yeah, that'd be nice. I mean, that'd be nice for fans in, in Charlotte. And you know what I always say: for some team to go up, somebody has to come down. You know, and Orlando is gone from the. You know, they've most likely receded from the realm of the playoffs and, and, and that sort of thing. They come down, somebody moves up, and it and it goes on and on. The Bulls, if they take a step back this year, that means Milwaukee. Somebody else gets a chance to move up and, you know, up the pecking order. So that that could be a good thing. Well, I, I think that's the, the natural order of things in the NBA. Um, well, I still feel I – still, I'm still disappointed in uh, what I'm seeing from Indiana, even though they beat the Lakers on the road here. Yeah. Uh, the night, but it's still that's a team I think that's under underachieving yeah. for the level of talent that and and for the level of play we saw from them last year. And I know they're out without Danny Granger, yeah. and the importance he brought to that team. But right now they're not a playoff team, yeah. and I don't think anybody saw that coming. I thought we thought they'd be in the mix of the top four in the in the, in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, the 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 Bucks are leading the Central, Rick. Um, the Wizards are still winless. Any anybody else in the su- stunning or surprising category to you right now around the league? I mean, Golden State is is leading the Pacific along with the Clippers. Anybody else strike you as you know? This is a shock to see them in this position after this many you know after fourteen fifteen games. Yeah, I mean it's hard for me not. I don't want to continue to harp on the Lakers. <laughs> That's a Western Conference conversation, but but uh, it goes. I think it's too too twofold if I was to run down the list rather quickly. I, you know, I would say that. Memphis, to those that don't watch Memphis basketball, yeah, uh, might be surprised. Mm-hmm. I think we, we on the inside all knew that they were going to have a really good season. And, and what I like about them so far has been their ability to take it, take their game out of, out onto the road outside of Memphis and actually deliver the same impact that, that they have uh, been doing at home. San Antonio Spurs, they're just uh, they're, they're drinking something out of the River Walk. There, that's just fountain you know, of youth. That, the fountain of youth must be the River Walk <laughs> because it's incredible. Tim Duncan has looked amazing. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard goes down with tendonitis, knee tendonitis, and yet they still 
you know, pick it up on the road and, and have the kind of road uh, record out there that they, you're accustomed to seeing them. They're, they're out there. Oklahoma City seems to have swapped out Harden for for Martin, and their consistency uh, in terms of winning is there. But it does. It does. They still look like they need to find something. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I didn't think Golden State would be fourth in the standings right now. Mark Mark Jackson has gotten a group, and that's a group of young guys that play effectively well, improve, and, and that's without Bogut. Yeah. So. You know, it's just some bright, just some bright, uh, consistent uh, moments from the Western Conference that would surprise some people, but seem to be right on track to what we expected. Except the Lakers, the Lakers being outside the playoffs right now is shocking. Yeah, yeah. I, you know what? In that Los Angeles, we we've harped on the the city, the teams a lot here in the first few weeks on the podcast, but I don't I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable when I say this. The Lakers. And the Clippers are a story. They're going to be a story all season long. The Lakers tend to be a story every year, good or bad. That's the way it works in the NBA. And I know a lot of people in other places don't like to hear it. We got guys that I work with on a daily basis who give me the business. Like, man, you guys talk Lakers all the time. Why you guys got to talk about Lakers? Right. That's the, everybody talks about the Lakers a lot. It's not just us. Trust me. It's, it's, right. it's basketball well, fans. Let's, let's, give them, let's, give them, let's give them something it's not like let's talk Minnesota for a second. Exactly. Let's talk, <laughs> let's talk the surprise. Let's talk the surprise of, of Kevin Love's, you know, showing up for the season with no no grand fanfare of I'm going to play on Wednesday <laughs> next week. You know, he exactly. just popped up. I turned on my my computer and was shocked that he was in the game. Uh, but let's talk about you know that team really quickly. The, the Minnesota and uh, Minnesota with his return, uh, Karolinko's uh, addition. Uh, Ricky Rubio, the talk of him coming back, uh, coming soon, back man. in a couple of weeks. Do, do you think uh, this is a team that makes it uh, back, you know, crawls their way back up into the playoffs? Uh, you know, that's a great question. We we answered it today a little bit on NBA.com in the blog table on on the Hangtime blog, and I and I'm telling you, I didn't have them pegged Rick as a necessary lock for that seventh or eighth spot anyway. But then they started the season off well, and you think, uh oh, they might have something here without. Rubio and Kevin Love well, lineup they're competing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, that same thing you said about Oklahoma City, something's missing. I still feel like, and it might be Rubio, but something I haven't seen of this team yet, that little spark that makes me think they got a chance to do this consistently and to be a team that you have to deal with come March in, in early April. Right. And, you know, and to me, when you're making that transition from the bottom of the standings, from the lottery to that seventh or eighth spot – you have to show that you can claw your way to it. It's very rare without a huge infusion of talent that you're going to make this leap from the bottom to the top. Like the Celtics went from the lottery to the, you know, the best team in the league when they made, they had the big three come down. That's, that's rare. That's not how it, that's not going to be the way it works normally. I, I have to, I have to ask myself, do I see something in the rest of that roster outside of Kevin Love and Rubio that makes me believe the, the Timberwolves have a chance to be a playoff team? I, I I see some pieces. Some others have not shown themselves to me yet. So I'm waiting until I say the the 30-game mark of the season to really give them a fair assessment. And then also I need to see Ricky Rubio back with this group with some of these new faces. Kirilenko's played well. Alexi Chavez has played well. I just want to see them all together before I before I write down any definitive statement about the Timberwolves. What? But, I mean, you know, they they, along with several other teams, like, like you mentioned – Denver, to me, has come on and started playing better of late. 
Um, right. You know, Philadelphia. Yeah, Philadelphia is playing really well without Andrew Bynum. Drew Holiday's having a fantastic season. Lots of different things going on around the league. But Rick, we gotta we gotta break it down now with our first guest joining us now here on the Hang Time Podcast is our good friend, friend of the show, TNT's very own. You've seen him all over the place. The coach himself, the czar, Mike Fratello. Coach, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. Always, always. Um, Rick and I were, were kind of chopping this up earlier, talking about this. When you look at the, the Eastern Conference, there have been some upstarts so far. You know, the the Nets, the Knicks, the Hawks have, have, have suddenly come on here of late. Who do you look at in the Eastern Conference and say this is a legitimate team that can challenge for one of those top four spots after Miami? Because it, it looks like it's been kind of a, a horse race so far. There are three or four teams that come to mind that are, I, I think they're in the pretenders category. Philly, <laughs> Atlanta, Boston, Chicago. They tease you a little bit. They show you enough. But then they inevitably get back to being maybe who they really are. Mm-hmm. Um, and and wind up being that one two game over five hundred type team. Then you have two teams like New York and Brooklyn, uh, who both could do some serious damage mm-hmm. because of the the rosters and how they eventually could look when everybody's back healthy for them. You know when Shumper comes back and if kids back straightens out and uh, if Brooklyn can keep Gerald Wallace healthy because they're obviously two different teams, the with Gerald Wallace team and the without Gerald Wallace team. And then you have the one team that, you know, has kind of surprised everybody so far, but I'm not sure how long they'll continue, uh, and that's Milwaukee, uh, who happens to just, you know, lead the Central Division right now uh, in the Eastern Conference. Uh, so I don't know if I want to put them in the pretenders category. I'm not ready to put them in there as a legitimate team that, could get Miami to run for it. Right, right. Hey, Coach, uh, Rick, Rick here. Just really quick, when we're looking at the standings there. Uh, I know the eighth spot is a long way off for the Washington Wizards, uh, but the Charlotte Bobcats <laughs> seem to be hey, holding that you spot. you just say Washington Wizards <laughs> a long way off? I, I, oh, I, 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 they're trying to get their first win. <laughs> I, 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 I was trying to be kind and gentle with <laughs> With that Washington Wizards introduction that's like, there. That's like saying, come on, let's take a job to Dubai tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. I, I agree. But, but Charlotte Bobcats weren't so far away from that same position a year ago, and yet they, at, you know, at seven and six right now, holding holding down the eighth spot. Do you, do you see that, them being able to sustain that, and do you see the Wizards ever getting a win? Well, the Wizards will get a win along the way here. I mean, they've come close over the last week. Obviously, Nene being back for them has made a big difference. Um, sometimes you get in that negative mode, as you know, and that, that snowball just keeps getting bigger and bigger before you can finally bust it up. I, I think Charlotte uh, being in the spot they're in one game over 500 right now at, at 7-6 and six is a surprise. Uh, I'm not sure they're going to be able to sustain that. I, I've seen at least two of their wins that they've had where the other team simply gave the game away with plays that they made. To their credit, Charlotte kept it close enough, played hard enough, and they wound up stealing a couple of those games. Uh, I would probably say if they played those same teams over again, they'll, they'll lose to that team by, by 10 to 12 points. But that, that doesn't matter right now. What matters now is where they are, and that's a little bit over the 500 mark. They've done an outstanding job, and 
they've got a different mentality now. You got a couple of players who a year ago didn't know what the NBA was all about. Now you see them come back and they're playing at a different level with more confidence. Um, I think all that obviously plays into the fact that the, they've created an atmosphere there. Uh, this is what we'll accept. This is what's acceptable when we show up and we can compete. I think it's also a statement that there are a lot of teams in this league that are just mediocre teams right now in the NBA. And if you hang in there and you play hard and you have some organization about you, what you're doing, you stand a chance on those nights when you're playing the other teams uh, that are poor teams, you stand a chance to win them. And when you look right now what's going on uh, in the Eastern Conference alone, uh, you've got six, seven teams right now that are below the 500 mark. Uh, a couple other teams that are hovering right around it, such as Charlotte, you know, with a seven and six record. Milwaukee leads the Central Division with a seven and five record right now. So, I mean, it's like these teams have blown out to a fourteen and two start. Uh, Miami at ten and three, they're supposed to be good, and they're the world champs. And people expect them to get off to a good start and be able to maintain it without you know any serious injuries taking place. The rest of the team's got a long way to go to catch them. Yeah, coach. It- Kind of a strange occurrence here recently in, in, in Los Angeles, and no, we're not talking about the Lakers. Um, <laughs> the the Los Angeles Clippers have had an instance where Chris Paul came out the other night and tweeted after a loss to the Hornets that, you know, hey, the Clippers lost to a less talented team tonight that was well coached. Blake Griffin follows that up with some comments about them getting away from what made them successful. Vinny Del Negro has, has, has long been – you know, in in the sights of a lot of people as the culprit whenever things go wrong with the Clippers. But do you do you see that and think to yourself, how how does a coach handle this newfangled, you know, dynamic of the the twenty four hour, three hundred sixty five day social media networks and players venting on those things and and what that does to a locker room dynamic or a player coach relationship? I mean, where what would a tweet like that? What kind of reaction would a tweet like that get out of? Out of Mike Fratello. I think nowadays you have to assume uh, that your entire team and your coaching staff really don't know everything that's going on out there because there's so much that goes on out there nowadays with social media mm-hmm. and that it's part of your responsibility to try to help them understand and make them realize what the damages are or could be based on what they say. Sometimes they don't stop long enough or think long enough to realize when they make one mistake or a misstatement that that can wind up cost somebody a career. And in Chris Paul's case, Chris has been around enough, smart enough, uh, he could have made that statement of frustration after the game and simply said we lost to a team that we should have beaten and left it at that, mm-hmm. as opposed to by that little tag thing you know, that was well coached. Uh, there's an inference there that the other team was well-coached and our team is not well-coached. And, you know, Vinny Del Negro is, was under criticism in Chicago. and All he did is take him to the playoffs both years and gave Boston one heck of a series uh, when he coached the Bulls. Then he goes out there, and uh, I would say that they should have been happy with last year's results where they got to, and they've made improvements and upgrades in the roster this year. They've had some injuries that, you know, hurt them. But to throw that little tagline on there at the end, mm-hmm. it would be the same as if a coach did a press conference and said, uh, we lost the game tonight because we had 
bad decisions by our point guard or our shooting guard couldn't make a shot tonight. I mean, if you're directing it at one particular position or one particular person indirectly, you're directing it, and, and you've got to be smart enough to handle it. So I think it's part of the coaches and staff's responsibility to have these meetings with your team and use examples. If you see a bad example of a statement of something that was done in another sport, bring it up to your team in a team meeting and say, guys, this is something we need to look out for. This is something we need to avoid because all it's doing is causing controversy. And we don't need that if we're focusing on winning, on being a legitimate contender, trying to win our division, trying to win our conference, trying to someday win a world championship. You've got to have a united front. What goes on in that locker room behind closed doors, that's our business. Because so much of the damage is done by players who talk to agents, agents then leak it to the media, and then you have a problem on your hands. Likewise, coaches who can't keep their mouths closed and have to leak things to the media wind up doing damage to a team. But you have to let people understand how this happens, how it takes place, and how you can avoid it. And uh, that's part of, I think, your responsibility. It goes along with the territory now in pro sports and in college sports. Mm. Well, Coach, I'll tell you what. In addition to that, um, you know – I wonder what that dynamic, that player-coach dynamic nowadays, do you think it's changed that dramatically, say, over the last 10, 15 years compared to what it's always been? Just with the, you know, with the technology and, and the fact that, you know, there was, a, there was a time when a coach's word was, was golden. A coach said something and players did it, and, there was, you know, anybody who questioned it usually was seen as kind of a, an alien in a locker room. Now – does it does it feel like that dynamic has changed at all to you? I don't think there's any question that it has. The respect factor was was different um, 15 years back, like you like you mentioned. Um, I think you look for people with high character. People come out of programs where uh, there has been a discipline, there has been an understanding of what team unity and what the organization is all about. And when you find those kinds of players and go put them in your program. It makes the job just a little bit easier. I'll, I'll use just as an example the San Antonio program mm-hmm. where, you know, your leader uh, for years has been Tim Duncan. They've added pieces around him of players with high character, the Ginobili's and Tony Parker's, and uh, they've, they've done a very good job of monitoring all that and those guys coming in and seeing how hard Tim works, you know, how Tim is a team player, the success that they've had, and this is what we accept in our San Antonio program. And if you're not like that, or you don't want to be part of that, then we move you on to somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, and that's you know, and uh, it sounds like things like that take place in New England with the Patriots, where there's the Patriot way of doing it. And if you don't want to do it their way, you're not part of what they do and believe in, then you play elsewhere uh, because they they have a lot of hard work there that they've won over the years. So, uh, Coach, I'm a Patriot. I'm a Patriot fan, so you bring that up, and I can't. I can't help but think of uh, you know championship-focused uh, organization. And you were talking about LA and the Clippers, and that's not been their history. But right across the hallway, you have the Lakers, and I. It's hard to assess after only one week what the future of this uh, Laker organization and team is going to look like in, in months from now. But how would you assess you know the first week under Mike D'Antoni and uh, his transition, it's got to be difficult to shift into a new system for the second time. 
in less than two months uh, for the players. But do you think the pieces for his system are there on that roster? Do you think that we'll see a, a Laker team that's contending at the level of expectation that, that they start the season with by the end of the season? Well, Rick, I think you touch on a more a bigger thing, a more important point than that um, of, you know, what will the roster look like and what kind of changes. To me, the more important thing uh, and the bigger thing is you're mentioning one team who never understood what it was like to be a championship commitment. And that, you know, so that, that's the, uh, you're a champion when the entire organization, from ownership to front office to players to coaches, said, when all of that, when they're all on the same page, they all have the same understanding, the commitment from ownership winds up meaning money that he's willing to pay out, first-class accommodations, and on and on and on and on. From front office, making the right personnel decisions that fit the coach's style of play or what you need to plug in to that team. From the players, the commitment, the dedication, the off-season work ethic, and then the coaching staff doing everything they're supposed to do to get teams ready for the games, development of individuals, et cetera. Well, that has not been there in past years with the Clippers. However, okay, that has all changed in the last couple of years. We, we see them turning or trying to turn the corner to get to that mode, to get into that mode. And it starts with a, a mentality of a Chris Paul who is such a competitive player and who's not afraid to tell teammates that, you know, grab them as they're walking out on the floor and, hey, we got to get a stop here or whatever it is. His leadership has provided for part of that focus now. And on the other hand, are we seeing the decline of the Lakers from that championship mentality, that championship mode? Are they going in the wrong direction? Do we see the splintering off taking place? Do we see the unraveling of all those years when they had the leaders like you know, Magic, who was willing to, you know, be the voice of the team, be heard, speak out, support the coach, et cetera, et cetera. That's, that's to me, the, the interesting part. Are they heading in different directions? One, heading up to the point where they're trying to get that mentality, get that atmosphere. The other, slipping and trying to hold on to what they've had in the past. That's the interesting thing to me. Yeah. Mike Fratello, TNT fame. The coach, the czar, joining us here on the Hang Time Podcast. Coach, we appreciate you. Uh, make sure you keep your phone handy. We might need to talk to you soon here. I'm here. Still works. Thank you, buddy. All right, guys. Take care. Make sure we remind everybody, TNT's Thursday night doubleheader, 8 Eastern, the Spurs and Heat with Kevin Harlan, Reggie Miller, and Charles Barkley in Miami, Rick. Hide the... I, I, I saw that. Could, Kenny could not have been asked about that. <laughs> Did his petition? Did he get his petition to follow through? Is he going to be down there I think, in surprise fashion? I don't think so. I think that secession petition for all those states and Kenny's petition to get to Miami have both been uh, lost in translation. Um, but, you know, hide the women, children, and the uh, Weight Watchers snack cakes. Charles will be in Miami Thursday night at 1030 on Thursday. The Nuggets at the Warriors with Marv, Albert, and Steve Kerr. And in the studio, Ernie Johnson, Shaquille O'Neal, the aforementioned Kenny Smith and Chris Webber holding it down on TNT Thursday night. Rick, it's always good to hear from Mike Fratello here on the Hangtime Podcast. Always informative, detail-oriented, and has some great insights. Um, but speaking of former Hangtime Podcast guests, our, our, our guy Kareem Abdul-Jabbar finally gets his statue unveiled out in Los Angeles at the Staples Center. 
we talked to him about that and many other things on the podcast last year. I, I've long been saying that his statue was overdue. Like, you know, he should have something in Westwood, something at Staples. They they might have put something for him in New York, you know, in terms of basketball icons. And uh, I'm just happy that he finally got this part of it out of the way. Let's listen to some sights and sounds from uh, Kareem's statue unveiling. You should have really had the first statue because you actually built this Staples Center. You know, it was on your back that we're now here. Kareem, thank you for allowing us and taking us on a ride with you. Nine times to the finals in 12 years, five championships. We love you, man. And uh, you, uh, you, you've meant a lot to us and you've helped us grow. So this is your night. Having lived my life and having had the wonderful experiences that I've had in basketball, I can understand now what a man like Lou Gehrig would mean when he would say that he was the luckiest man in the world. Thank you very much for your support and your appreciation. Some uh, kind words there from Magic Johnson, James Worthy, Kareem himself, sounding, you know, emotional and, and certainly getting a little choked up at the at the side of that statue finally going up. Rick, what is it? I mean, you've been a part of that organization. You know, you understand the history and the, the tradition and the culture of it better than most. Um, what What is Kareem's legacy to people that have walked in those footsteps? Well, you know, it it, it is overdue, uh, but once done, Done extremely well by the organization and also by his teammates and peers. Yeah, uh, no greater honor to, than to have your, your your former teammates and the city stand up and acknowledge you in the way they did. And, and you heard Kareem say that, you know, and he feels extremely blessed for the life he's led. But we're more blessed for having had him in our lives, whether it's as a fan or of his basketball or just as a fan of all the things that he's passionate about. I mean, it extends beyond the basketball court and he's changed, uh, you know, so many people's lives for, yeah. for the better. And I, I just think of, you know, his resume alone, that's legendary, but, <laughs> you know, just getting to know him, uh, you know, and passing as a Laker mm-hmm. uh, player over the years and, and having the few conversations I've had, I mean, you just get to understand the man and you get to understand why, why he, why he's beyond just a great basketball player, why he's you know, a, a great human being. And so I wish him nothing but, you know, health and, and happiness. And, and um, I join in with the rest of the Lake organization by saying, you know, as I walk by his statue, yeah. I agree it should have been the first, and, and Magic's the best person to have said that. Is he was, you know, is honored uh, as one of uh, L.A.'s sons and, and great great figures in uh, in basketball history but Kareem you know he was the anchor yeah. in so many ways and and so it's nice to see him honored that way people i have this argument with people all the time Rick um when i'm throwing out the best centers to have played the game be it nba you know and you could take his nba career i could argue that he's the greatest college center to ever play um to me the list looks like this Kareem, Wilt, 
Shaq, Hakeem, and Bill Russell, who some people say he's a power forward. I say he's the greatest winner of all time, and you put him on that list of centers, you put him on the list of power forwards, and maybe, maybe you give him his own category because he doesn't have enough toes and fingers for all his rings almost. Um, who, who are your top big men to ever play the game? Wow. Um, I like this conversation because it, you can approach it from you know, a number of different ways. I mean, uh, when you say the best center to ever play the game at the center position, and the game extends beyond the NBA, you know, into college and right. back into high school, you know, you're looking at Kareem's resume and you say to yourself, how do you cap anyone else <laughs> other than Kareem when you talk about you know, high school, what he did in, in New York at Power Memorial, right. and UCLA, right. and then on into the NBA. He, he dominated and changed the game on all levels, at every playing you know, level throughout his career. Yeah. You know, you go down his resume in terms of, you know, if you take that question and you say, okay, well, we're talking about an individual position. Okay, well, now we're making it an individual conversation and not a team conversation. Right. Because if we're talking team conversation, then how do you not put Bill Russell number one as the greatest winner right. at that position? But you know, but I, I have I have Kareem as is my number one for that reason, mm-hmm. uh, being that we're talking across the board from high school all the way through the NBA. Um, and after that, you know, I'm biased. Uh, you know, Will Chamberlain has dominated in many ways in his era, but I feel like I play with the most powerful center. Right, physically in the game, so it's hard for me not to. You know, I won three championship watching. You know, Shaquille O'Neal right. dominate physically as well as you know, his skill level was high as well, and and so I, it's a toss up for me in that respect. I go an edge over Wilt with 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 uh, Shaq at third behind Bill Russell for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I put Bill at number two. Because uh, I, th- I think the game is about winning championships, but right. but, in, and, but individually I take uh, Shaq over over Wilt. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Wilt at that fourth position, respectfully, you know. And then you know, coming in as fifth, I got a chance to play against a team myself, and uh, I just thought similar to Bill Russell, a hybrid, a four to play the five, right. but, you know, they could play both positions, just affected the game on. Uh, on so many levels, and, and I, I like my big men to be able to score as well as defend, mm-hmm. and, and he did that successfully for so many years. And, and so, you know, I rounded out with a team because I, I saw it firsthand. I, <laughs> I went at him a couple times myself, but I think in one possession I tried to dunk on him three times. Each time he blocked the ball, I tried to go back at him again. <laughs> so at the time I was like, okay. I think that's it for me in my career. I, I just pull up, I pull up from here on in. I heard so, that. And I so that's that. my, you know, that's my five. I don't think you go wrong with any of them. Yeah. All champions. All champions. I just, you know, I think the the, the exciting conversation is six to ten because I could take that all day long. Yeah, I I agree. Um, you you start that conversation and you start setting. Places at the table. Those five guys, for sure. You gotta have. You know, they got. They gotta get seated first. They. If you're passing yeah. out the big piece of chicken, you better have five big ones, and then you go after the. You know, then the rest of the list. But, you know, yeah. big big ups to Kareem for getting that statue and for getting his just due finally out in Los Angeles. Yeah. It's time for bragging rights as the guys put their rep on the line. 
Unbelievable. Bragging rights. I hope I'm reading this right. Greg Wagon, our super producer, is in there behind the glass, Rick. I hope I hope he didn't make a typo on this week's bragging rights. Is this right? I went undefeated again? I should have went, hey, Lang should get out of the way and let me go help well, deliver the baby. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I sent my picks in. But I think, I think, Greg, I think you got it wrong, man. <laughs> yeah, he said, whatever she can pick, that's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> Undefeated. Well, man, man, I am the man. Pretty good, man. I, I'm just Looking saying, strong, I believe man. I believe a wise man once said it, and I, I hate, to, hate to quote people without their permission, but uh, I believe he said, <laughs> whether you like it or not, learn to love it because it's the best thing going Rick Flair, baby. Rick Flair. <laughs> Come hey, on, you Rick. know what, though? I, I went with all the underdogs, man. I went with all the underdogs. That's how Washington beat the first one against Charlotte. They, I think they went into overtime, but they fell short again. Uh, turned into the Washington Generals. And then I think I took da- uh, Dallas at home mm-hmm, over see? the Lakers. I thought they might have the Lakers number again. Y'all Lakers pull them out. Yeah, y'all don't believe, man. Yeah, so Listen, de- can't go down the dogs anymore. Details, details, baby. I'm a results-oriented individual. I'm I'm like a cat who just wins rings. I might not average thirty during the regular season, but I put the ring on my finger. Come on, Greg, give me give me yeah, these latest me ones. Let me rock these. <laughs> All right, guys. Right now, the season standings are as follows: Sekou's leading at nine and two. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Rick and Lang are both at six and five. Beast. So this is we're gonna go with three more. <laughs> we're gonna go with three more games this week. First game is Brooklyn at Miami. Ooh, what day? What day is that game? Oh, I hope that's on like a. Know. Uh, you know what? I, I think it's cute what Brooklyn's doing, but the Heat have a way of stepping up to the challenge when when somebody is, you know, digging into their their part of the dirt. I'm going with the Heat now. I'm gonna take. The Brooklyn Nets, just because you can't go undefeated for a <laughs> <laughs> Nice, you go opposite. The next game is Memphis at San Antonio. Ooh, Ooh. that's. I'm a Grizzlies wow. guy. I'm a Grizzlies guy. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna have to break it. Break my. I'm gonna have to break my own rules here and go with the Grizzlies. I, I think the Grizzlies go into the into the Lions den and get one. I'm going San Antonio. Well, actually, hold on. No, they're coming off a road trip. 16 road trip. Is it the first game back? You can't tell me. That's always a dangerous one, too, like that. You know, when you're coming off that long. Yeah, it's very dangerous. Yeah, not only that, it's Memphis is sitting there waiting for them to show up. Um, Wow. Um, I'm going. I'm still going San Antonio. All right. And finally, Lakers at Houston. Lakers, come on. Houston, you know, it's cute and all. Houston. You know. Houston. I'm going I'm going Houston. I'm going with as uh as as my man, what's his name? Victor Brick always says in those post game press conference in LA. Kobe. I'm gonna go with Kobe in the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go with Kobe. Yeah, I'm a, I think the Lakers are, are are still gonna be you know, finding their way a week from now. So I think Houston so someone will be excited next week because you guys just went the opposite on every, every Good, that's why I'm saying it. If, if 
if if you know form holds, I'll have a new quote for y'all next week from some other braggart. Well, you're uh, going to win the Powerball tonight anyway, so you're okay. This is true. This might be hey, Rick. Yeah, just just so you know, if this I win the Powerball tonight, I'm not I'm not I'm not coming <laughs> in next week, and it won't have nothing to do with me not being four and zero. I'm calling in now with my excused absence for next week because I'm going to be on the moon building my new condo. All right. Right. (laughs) All right. Well, listen, we appreciate everybody hanging out with us once again this week. We want to give a shout-out to Lang Whitaker, our co-host, and his wife, Isabel, bringing in the new addition to the clam. That's right. Baby Whitaker on the way. Hashtag. You know, hashtag slash uh, lemon lime. Or you give them, you know, everybody's giving out the crazy names today. I don't know. Seku might not be a bad one. But anyway. We appreciate Mike Fratello joining us, and we appreciate you listening. We will see you next time right here on the Hangtime Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. And be sure to check out the Hangtime blog on NBA.com. And as always, say kuna matata.